Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, how's it going? Professor Herb here. Hope you're doing well. And we have another guest on today. I think we're just going to keep having on guests and talking to them and having cool conversations about their experiences and what's kind of made them them in the hobby so far. And today we have on another Adam runs Uncharted <laughs> Wild. <laughs> it's always so confusing because you and for some reason you and Wiccans are always in my live streams at the same time. And I know I can't <laughs> just say Adam because then it confuses probably both of you. But yeah, that's um, that's the struggle I deal with, I guess, during my live streams. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, Adam, this Adam runs Uncharted Wild uh, Reptile Education Business and I guess the greater New York area, or is it more upstate, would you say? Uh, yeah, I do upstate New York, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut. I do right. like, kind of and online. New England. And online, currently. yep. 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 Currently. So um, do you have a, like official website or do you run out of your Facebook? Uh, I just run out of my Facebook page. Okay, so if you're intrigued by Adam Adam's services, definitely check out his Facebook page. I'm sure you could just Google Uncharted Wild. Um, but he has got a really cool education business going on. And I hope to kind of, when things go back to normal, check out one of his, uh, one of the things he does if there's a public venue or something. But today uh, I thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought today we could kind of talk about uh, Adam's experiences in college getting a zoology degree and his thoughts about that he also spent i think you said three months in australia working at their national zoo which is really really cool and something i'm really always been jealous of so i think those two we'll talk about and then if we have a little bit of time we'll talk a little bit about the getting into the education business and stuff like that so i think the first thing that I believe a while ago, a while ago, uh, we, we kind of talked about your zoology degree a little bit. And I remember you saying some, you know, negatives around, you know, a zoology degree. Some, I, I don't know exactly how to put it, but like, I guess, number one, um, for someone who wants to work with animals, someone who, who wants to kind of take that route. Would you recommend a zoology degree? Would you recommend something else? And number two, uh, is there any kind of weaknesses you, you feel like getting a zoology degree? Is there something else you wish you kind of, uh, of course, animal related, but, uh, and I'm not exactly 100% sure what the options all are, uh, but if there was something else you kind of wish you focused on more so, or do you think this got you, you know, you're in this you had this business going and everything just got you to where you want it to be. What are your thoughts on kind of those two things? Uh, zoology degree, it, it's really tricky because it depends on what you want to do with animals. If you want to do like zoological research, scientific research, like field conservation, stuff like that, then a zoology degree is going to basically be essential. Now, when I went to college, originally I wanted to be a zookeeper. So I was like, oh, zoology, like this will be cool. But I mean, with zoos, if you're trying to work in the animal, like 
the work field, like zoo, zoo educator, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Basically, they just look at your resume. They'll be like, okay, you graduated with a four-year degree. They toss that aside, and then they look at your actual experience. So you could have a four-year degree in uh, zoology, biology, ecology. I had a friend that uh, we were both in the zoology major, but mm -hmm. we, in being in zoology, we had to take physics and chemistry, biochemistry, like microbiology, all these really hard classes. Yeah. She didn't want to do it anymore so she went she switched majors to anthropology which was loads easier didn't have to do any of the advanced science classes mm -hmm. and then she ended up working at disney's animal kingdom for three years so i really, working with the animals yeah yeah, yeah she was okay. working um in the african or indian section i think but okay yeah so you don't i mean if you're if you're working to be a zookeeper then a zoology degree i don't think is 100 percent essential because i had a friend that went to community college and he took herpetology and ornithology and stuff too now being in a zoology major you get professors actually doing that research and stuff like that whereas my friend at the community college they had the same professor teaching ornithology and herpetology and they were just kind of like a science ecology type person mm -hmm. so i mean it did help because i did get more targeted things i guess you could say um like okay my ornithology professor had connections so we actually got to do um like field research and stuff we got to actually do um like dissections on different types of birds we got to do okay. like one on a red tail hawk and owls and things um so there definitely were advantages to it but the vast majority of my college experience a lot of my classes it just felt like were kind of a waste outside of like the animal ones like having to take all the chemistries mm -hmm. and math classes and all this stuff um and there, uh, when I went to Australia, the other person that was at the same internship as me, she lived in Florida and there's what's called basically teaching zoos. I don't know if okay. you've ever seen like the TV show Scrubs. Yeah, um, somewhat, so, not for yeah, a while, but. In the, in the final season of Scrubs, and this is a very obscure reference, but <laughs> in the final season of Scrubs, they basically changed the hospital to be like a teaching hospital. And mm -hmm. so in, here in the United States, we have, two, I believe, two zoos that are basically teaching zoos. They are zoos that people can go and visit to my knowledge but they're run they have like a full-time staff but it's mostly run by people in these programs mm. like going up through the years and getting experience so that's what she did so she was much better prepared for like zoo work and all that stuff than I was through my education mm -hmm. and that's why I mean, I like I enjoyed like my herpetology class and stuff like that. I got to learn like clades and all this other stuff. But with my free time, I just spent a lot of time volunteering and interning at different zoos up in like the northern New York area. And that's uh, I had an old boss. I was at an internship for like almost two and a half years or something. Um, and he basically did what I did. He was just further along, had more animals and stuff. So I was basically kind of like, I guess you could say his apprentice. Mm -hmm. Um and it got to the point where at the end of that, I was doing shows that he couldn't do because he had kids and stuff. Um, and that's kind of what really sparked me wanting to do this. So I went into college wanting to be a zookeeper. And then through my education, like zoo experience, I kind of more honed what I wanted to do, which if I didn't go to college for zoology, I don't think I would have figured that out. Um, yeah, I hear and you. Just college i mean college with animal stuff is just so hard because most almost everyone that i graduated with none of them have animal related jobs um some of them went into teaching and stuff like that too but the like the vast majority of the people that i went into zoology with don't work with animals at all they didn't get a zoo job because it's a very competitive thing and every year yeah. they're churning out all of these zoo majors but there's like only a finite amount of zoos and if you're trying to do field research like that is that is it's really just a game of you have to know the right people mm -hmm. and so if you're if you're going to go for a zoo major you really have to like 
have a kind of clear guideline of what you want to do and where you're going with it. Because sometimes it might just feel like you're wasting your time and other times you graduate and you might graduate with all this knowledge and stuff, but there's really nowhere to go with it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I definitely hear you. I think that's something you've mentioned in the past too, when we've talked about the competitiveness of, of the degree and, you know, zoos having, you know, limited space and availability for people. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'll just hear what you have to, I guess, kind of say about this, but I feel like for people that want to work with animals, and I mean, these are kind of two different ways. Uh, the most popular I hear in terms of college degrees is either zoology or going into biology. Now, if would you, what would your recommendation or thinking be like, if someone was thinking, should I do zoology or should I do biology? Well, if you, zoology is definitely much rarer. Like the college I went to is the only college in the north, the whole Northeast that actually offers a zoology major. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're like dead set on like, I want to do field research, I want to like do say shark conservation or something like that, then I would say seek out like a zoology program. But if you're looking to kind of be either maybe just an educator like a like a biology teacher or an ecology teacher or you want to work at a zoo and stuff like that i would say a biology degree would probably be good granted mm -hmm. i've like i didn't take a straight up biology major so i can't really tell you the differences yeah, that's... um mm -hmm. and it probably varies college to college i imagine because like some colleges might not be able to offer like a herpetology class or something like that um but if you're looking for like just working at a zoo they, as long as it's somewhat animal related to like from all the zoo experience I have at least uh, it does they don't really care exactly what major if it's a zoology major a biology major they don't care they're looking at your animal experience. Um, and that's even what it comes down to with field conservation. Field conservation, they do more care about what your major is, but they also care, have you been able to assist like field experience? Do you know like the kind of procedures and stuff for like hypothesis and setting up and all this stuff? Mm -hmm. I mean, stuff you, you definitely know about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like when you have it, it's field research. So it's just like at like, one, my mammalogy class, we did uh, trapping. So we had like, we installed bat nests, bat nets and stuff like that. Okay. And we to like, uh, when the bats and the stuff would get caught and we would kind of hold on to them, we would check and see, check for symptoms of uh, what's called white fungus disease, which is like killing a lot of bats and things like that. We would take mm -hmm. measurements and stuff and tag them. So it was like, you have experience like that going through college, that'll help you more. So, I mean, the degree is kind of like the stepping stone. It's what really yeah. matters is how much you kind of push yourself to do stuff outside of college to get that experience so basically it's kind of what you make of your college i don't know 10-year degree whatever yeah basically yeah i mean so, and I, I kind of think that it kind of applies to everything it's just yeah. with animal stuff it's like if you're going for teaching like there's i mean there's a lot of colleges there's a lot of schools and everything um but if you're going for zoos like yeah there's a finite amount of zoos and field research there's just there's so little of it especially with like the recent years with like funding and a lot of cuts and stuff like that mm -hmm. so it's just yeah it's just such a hard thing to get into so when did you i guess i i believe you were kind of hitting that during college you you, you found your direction towards doing the business you're doing now yeah Yep. Is that like your ideal, like th this is what you wanted to do, you wouldn't kind of want to be in any other path? Yeah, I've been wanting to do this literally since I was like five or six years mm -hmm. old. When I was a when I was a little kid, I'd be like doing fake animal shows in front of my family with like plush animals, and my brother would be my my assistant and run to the back room and get out the new animal <laughs> yeah. like they did on like late night shows. So I've literally wanted to do animal education since I was a kid. But when I went into college, I guess I just thought 
zoos would be the easiest way but then mm-hmm. like watching my old boss and i talked to some other kind of self-employed animal educators it just it just seemed like it was the better way to kind of do it myself be my own boss do that kind of thing um i mean i had like the right kind of skill set i think i'm really good at public speaking i'm very comfortable talking in front of crowds of like mm-hmm. 500 people um i know what i'm doing with the animals i know my stuff so it just with my skill set and my drive and everything it just seemed like the better route to instead of end with obviously because if you're trying to get into animal education specifically in a call in a zoo that's even harder to get into than just being an educator um, mm-hmm. just because there's very little of that and some zoos don't even have that program so i just figured rather than working at a zoo making barely above minimum wage i could be my own boss get my own animals set my yeah. own stuff and there's so, a lot yeah. about being your own boss i feel like you know yeah flexibility yeah, I mean, Cause when I, so like the zoos I work at, if you wanted to even introduce a new enrichment item to say the rhinos or something, mm-hmm. you would have to like fill out a form and that would have to go through higher ups and stuff like that, which I mean, it makes sense so that keepers aren't just throwing whatever in with the animals, but mm-hmm. it just, it's so excessive. Like if I had to fill out like a form to be like, okay, I want to put a new enrichment item in with my chinchillas. Like it just, <laughs> it's just, it's so much easier to be like, oh, this is a cool thing off Amazon. Here you go. Chinchillas. Like yeah like that's that's one small part of it but yeah so being your own boss especially it's just, this is a very nice feeling <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I can hear you on that so that's cool though uh, you came out doing what you wanted to do yeah. um so that that's nice to hear so is there any i guess overall with the zoology degree um i mean it does definitely seem like you you have to have the right experiences or coming out as the degree it's going to be really hard to you know, convince an employer if you don't really have much experience behind you, but is there any other, I guess, like strong weaknesses you feel like in getting a zoology degree, something you wish was like a little bit different, maybe in terms of like class structure that you did, or um, I don't know, just, just something around it that you, that you wish might be a little, that you wish would have been changed or done differently. Uh well, the starters, student loans cheaper. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, yeah, the the class is so weird because the the classes that I took that I loved, like mammalogy, herpetology, ornithology, those were zoology electives. Mm-hmm. You could choose which ones you wanted to take, which I mean, I guess makes sense because if you don't, you aren't interested in birds, you don't want to be forced to take an ornithology class. But the required ones were like the biochemistry of physics. Um, I had to take calculus. Like those were the required ones. I was required to take a world, what was it called? Like a world history class. So I took a class on like feudal Japan or something. So it's like the ones that I did not want to take and were not interested in and took up the most amount of time (laughs) and effort on my part were the required ones. And the ones that I looked forward to were my one or two electives a year that I got to take third and fourth year. So (laughs) It's like the whole, and this is like my problem with a lot of college majors is like, they kind of like load it with a lot of fluff. Like, oh, you have to take your gen eds and stuff in the early years and stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah. they market college as being like the, th- like they're like high school, you have to take these classes to get to college. College is where you get to do what you want to do. But even yeah, then you're not no. taking a lot of classes you want to do until third and fourth year. And then, I mean, I can only speak for my college and my experience. I don't know how it is at other ones, but it's like the ones I wanted to take were just electives. And if they got filled up or if they were offered at the time that I had a mandatory class, then I was just kind of SOL. So it's just the yeah. class structure 
and I think this is more just a fault of like the college system in America, but it's just the class, the class structure, the ones that people wanted to take. Like I had friends that couldn't even take herpetology because the time it was offered and stuff. It's yeah. Just, it's very unfortunate. And it's yeah. cool because like where we were, my college actually had a field research station up in the woods on a lake. So like mm-hmm. we got to go and do field research and like go on herping trips and stuff and catch what Northern water snakes and like record the number of Osprey and stuff we saw in the area and things like that. And it's like, those were the memories that I have. I'm not gonna, I don't remember any of my, all my grinding to get an A in uh, microbiology. Yeah, I I feel I feel it pretty strongly. What you're saying, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I kind of felt the same way about high school. I thought high school is when I kind of get all that you know everywhere type of stuff, English, just random subjects out of the way. Yeah. And then when you got to college, that was supposed to be where you kind of really started to concentrate on a certain particular subject. I mean, how many (laughs) times do you need to retake the same courses? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of the courses I took that were just general courses in the first, in the first uh, two years were courses I took in high school already. And they were just restating pretty much most of the same stuff. Yep. And meanwhile, they're milking you for a lot more than you went to high school for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, I don't know, but that's a totally different conversation. That I yeah. feel like could be its own episode. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that other that seems just like general struggles of kind of the current system and stuff. But it yeah. seems like at least the college you went to had a pretty strong program in zoology and had a lot of extra offerings that they could give to, I mean, other than have, forcing you to do some classes you didn't want to do, um, you know, you, you had some, you know, being that zoology probably isn't the most focused upon degree from people who, you know, presidents of universities and stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of colleges and universities probably wouldn't concentrate unless they had a lot of funding on like, you know, having those things like what you're saying they had at a lake and stuff like that. So it's cool that you had those sort of opportunities there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like my my uh, herpetology professor actually was doing research field research on chytrid fungus and its spread, which is a disease that's like running rampant and killing amphibian populations across the planet. Um, my ornithology professor, he did research on waterfowl. So like they would do duck bandings and stuff. Like I was very fortunate that really all, just about all of my professors, my um my insect professor, she was actually doing studies on parasitoid wasps. So like all my professors were actually doing, and that was, I think a requirement of the school is if you're going to teach this up, you have to actually be doing active research for Mm-hmm. It. And this was just a SUNY school. This was a state college. And I know what some of my volunteers that help me out with my animals now, they go to a different kind of more local uh, SUNY school. And the person teaching herpetology is the ornithology professor. And he knows almost nothing about reptiles, apparently. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I got very fortunate because my professors actually like knew their stuff. We got to do like accurate field research and studies and like go on herping and birding trips and stuff like that. Whereas again, it could vary just college to college. So yeah, yeah. I got pretty lucky with that. Yeah, that's awesome, though. Um, definitely kind of like wish I could go back 10 years now and check <laughs> out some SUNY schools. But um, yeah, so OK, so you went through college, you got your degree. I, was it right out of college that you just started going? I mean, it sounds like even in college, you kind of started towards doing your business a little bit. Yeah, so I started actually accruing animals 
um, the my my senior year, and mm-hmm. I literally got back because I went to Australia. I went to Australia uh, that summer going into my senior year, and okay. uh, I got back from Australia. And two days later, I went and picked up Norman, my tag year, <laughs> off Craigslist. Yeah. I was talking to the person off Craigslist because, like, when I was in Australia, that's when I really decided, like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be my own boss. So, like, my last month in Australia, I was surfing Craigslist because I'm in Australia. I'm like, oh, like a continent. I'm like a world away, but I'm looking on like the local upstate New York and Massachusetts <laughs> Craigslist for rep. So I got back and I picked up like three reptiles right in a row. And then I kept them at my work that I was interning at that was near the college. So I had Norm in my tagu and some of my other animals that I still have downstairs. Um, and I, I started using my own animals in my programs under my boss. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so by the end of my time there, I, uh, st- I was doing shows that he missed and stuff. And yeah, literally, what did I, I, I like, literally a month within a month of graduating, I filed the paperwork with New York state, paid the fees and everything, did the articles and stuff to get my own business. And then my first show was two, almost, I think it was two months to the day after leaving college. Okay. That's awesome. That's, that's good stuff. Um, I mean, no, usually people who become their own boss, that's like something they kind of dream of and work towards and they eventually get there when they're like 40 or something. You know what I mean? You, you never yeah. really, feel like it's it's a rarity being able to just kind of walk out of college and do like your own business and be able to you know you, you know succeed at it you know what yeah. I mean so I well I mean <laughs> I wasn't like I was I was still I had a retail job I was a manager at a pet store for a few years mm-hmm. while I was still building it up so I still had to deal with my uh my hassle of an old boss um so I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like the perfect world, Look, it, but it, I made it, I made it work. We, we just it was a dream. That's what we're telling people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, oh yeah, yep. <laughs> but still, you know, that's I, I feel like that's something I much rather do. That I, I mean, especially if you're saying alternatives are working barely, you know, above minimum wage as some zoos and uh, being yeah. already super competitive. It's like, you know, it's it's not like you're missing like getting a salary of like half a million a year or something you know what i mean it's not like (laughs) you know it's there's a lot of i don't know i I think it was an overall kind of a smart thing and i think the the cool thing is it seems like you made a lot of um i don't know you, you you kind of went the extra mile a little bit a little bit during your college degree and stuff and really kind of did more than i would say the average student i mean being that being me who you know i'm grad school I work around a lot of undergrads and being an undergrad myself like you know there you always see the student who just does enough and the students who do way more and then the students who do way more usually have their you know have their stuff together a little bit and can kind of go that extra mile and get kind of a more ideal situation for themselves. Yeah, well, I'm sure you were a better student than me. I was not the uh, I was not the best student, but I definitely put in a lot of effort outside of that. <laughs> I was not a good student until sophomore year of college. That's kind of when I started taking stuff seriously. I remember I, I think that's when everyone does, honestly. <laughs> I remember what was it? I had I had, and I'm really I there's this professor at my undergrad, and I'm like really kind of closer to him now. But I had him for a class the latter half of freshman year of the spring semester, and. I remember like in junior year or something when I was like super serious about like what I was doing. Um, he like, I was like one-on-one with him and he was like, I remember having you in like freshman year and thinking that like, you're just going nowhere. 
And I was like, and he's like, I'm happy I was wrong. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. Cool stuff. Jeez, so, that, is a, um, that is a gut punch. Wow. <laughs> he must have felt super comfortable with me at that point. Yeah. So. Hey, I thought you were going to be a failure for the rest of life. Thanks for showing up wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, good, uh, good stuff there, I guess. But that is um, the teaching method. <laughs> What's it called? So then Australia, you said going, I guess that was your summer after junior year, you said going yeah. in this, your senior year. First of all, so like, what was this whole, it was an internship. It seems like it's something you had to just apply for externally from your college or was it through your college? Uh, the college was not related at all. Um, mm-hmm. It was, it was like an international internship program. It's called global links. Okay. Um, and basically they just send a bunch of people. So there was like 80 of us that went to Australia because we had like a week orientation altogether. And mm-hmm. then we split up and we were all different pr- backgrounds. There was people, uh, one guy I talked to w- was going to Sydney to work on a dating app. Um, one girl that I'm still feeling. Yeah, so it wasn't even all. Yeah, animal. it wasn't all. Animal oh, okay. people. There was okay. like 80 of us. There was one girl that was going that I talked to and I'm still Facebook friends with. She was uh, going to do physical therapy. She was training under the physical therapist for one of Australia's top rugby teams. Interesting. Um, so there was, I think there was eight of us, six of us. There was six of us total that were animal majors. Four of them went to like a smaller zoo that basically just did like Australian native animals. And mm-hmm. then me, and then the, the girl that I told you about that was at the college, the teaching college um, zoo, she, we both went to the national zoo. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was, was that just like luck or were they like, you are our dream student, our dream intern, we're going to send you to the national zoo? Uh, well, we sent in like applications and stuff with our zoo experience and stuff. So mm-hmm. like, that's what I was saying earlier, like the, like zoos will look at your yeah. resume and see how much experience. So the internship people, they've been doing this for years and they do this, not even just Australia, Africa, Europe, all this stuff. Um, so they're, they gauged like our experience, mm-hmm. the people that they sent to the smaller zoo, they're relatively recent. Whereas, um, the girl Katie and I both had like more animal zoo experience. So they mm-hmm. were like, okay, we have an, we have a relationship with this college. Cause they had been sending, they'd been sending intern people to this zoo for like the last five years. So like the mm-hmm. zoo was very used to, Hey, every summer, the American kids come over. Basically. <laughs> um, so the zoo was very familiar. So they had the relationship with that. So they sent us both there. Okay. That's, that's cool. I mean, first of all that, and I mean, you feel free to toot your own horn here because that's basically what I'm getting at. But this seems like kind of like a amazing opportunity type of thing. Like this had to be like a competitive type of internship that a lot of people signed up for. No, uh, I honestly don't know. Um, Cause I know, I don't know. Cause basically from when I, this is like eight years ago now, but from when we, we filled out the application, we send it in, we had to be approved for the internship, but I don't know what the approval like decline process was. Mm-hmm. I know they only had allowed so many people to go to Australia. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how many other animal people were there. Cause when I was there of the 80 of us, I think like 30 to 40 were just tech people. Most mm-hmm. of them were going to like Sydney, Melbourne, like the major cities and working on like apps and things like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know how many people they turned away for animal stuff. But yeah, when I mean, when I got approved and then I found out I was going to the National Zoo, I was on like cloud nine. Yeah, I mean, like that almost equates to when I got accept my first like PhD acceptance. You know what I mean? Like, first of all I didn't even think I was going to get accepted anywhere and then like I got like a letter like two weeks after saying like I got like um I don't know like a 
what was it all fees covered so i didn't have to pay anything for my degree oh, and it was just like <laughs> it was amazing and i was like there's no way this is true i thought it was a joke yeah um but that kind of sounds like one of those situations where i mean like i don't know like what more of an ideal zoo and correct me if you know i don't, I don't know much about like some of the the best zoos around the world but i feel like australia's national zoo that's a that's a big time zoo uh, I mean, it's a pretty big one. A lot of people confuse it with like the Steve Irwin Zoo, which is the mm -hmm. Australia Zoo. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's like, yeah, it is one of Australia's like biggest zoos. But Australia is weird. It's kind of like New York for a lot of like foreigner, for a lot of like people abroad, because like everyone assumes New York City is the capital of New York, but it's actually Albany. Australia, everyone assumes Sydney is the capital, but it's actually Canberra. So mm -hmm. I wasn't, so I was like living in Canberra, which is kind of like, isolated it's like two and a half hours away from sydney and stuff so it's a, mm. it is a big zoo but it's not like nearly as populated or as like traveled as like the australia zoo from steve okay. Rowan. but yeah so i mean it was definitely they had like a they had like an aquarium attached to it with like sharks and stuff so it was it was definitely like way more than i thought i was signing on for <laughs> yeah so did you focus i mean I'm, I'm guessing and from the stories you told me like did you, you focus on reptiles there or did you do a little bit of other stuff so basically we didn't choose they rotate us through each okay. day um so basically each day we would be doing a different unit so there was the aquarium reptiles unit there was the native section there was big cats um there was hoof stock things like that so we just kind of rotated through and then on my off days i would take a bus an hour and a half away well, it's an hour and a half bus ride, but I took a bus. I was on the bus like three hours a day um, to go do to, to to volunteer at the National Reptile Zoo, which was like half an hour from the zoo that I was interning at. So I was interning. How does, at how does that add up zoo. with that long of a bus ride? <laughs> uh, just because the bus stops so much because oh it's God. a pretty big city. So I was on the bus for like almost an hour and a half. That stinks. Um, I couldn't drive there um, and I was stayed with a host family and like they worked and stuff. So they weren't going to like drive me every yeah. day on my off day. So yeah, it was like a, it was like an hour and a half uh, bus ride each way, which I mean, I didn't mind. I just like listened to music and stuff and it was worth it to work with mm -hmm. cool reptiles. So yeah. yeah. So during my off days, I would basically be working with cool Australian reptiles. And then like during my work days, I'd be working with like a bunch of exotic animals, like rhinos and giraffes and red pandas and cheetah and stuff. Oh, that's cool. I mean, that's that's quite an experience i don't know how how else to say it i mean yeah. i would love to be able to you know go out to australia and just work with not only reptiles but just wildlife in general and feel qualified to do so so yeah um, it, was, it was funny because at the zoo like because they get like interns and like volunteers that are local obviously too mm -hmm. like at the zoo everyone's like kind of least favorite section is the native section because it's like kangaroos dingoes wombats claws things that australians just know yeah but, like for us international volunteers that was like our favorite section because like <laughs> we don't get those animals really in zoos in the u.s there's like three zoos i think that have koalas in the u.s mm -hmm. so i mean we just got to work with all these cool animals so like i would look forward to my native days more than like the hoofstock days <laughs> <laughs> um, but like every section had its cool animals like the the red pandas were technically in the host stock section just because of the, how the zoo laid out and the red pandas mm -hmm. were one of my favorites um i love working with the tree kangaroos uh the tree kangaroos it, would be a, it was a dad mom and a baby and like the dad would wait at the gate for you to walk in and you have to give him like an avocado slice as like his toll to get in <laughs> otherwise he would he would attack your boot for like the entire time that you're there 
the wombat. She was, I think she's actually the oldest wombat in captivity. Um, oh, wow. And we would have to distract her at one corner of the enclosure to get her like to feed her while we clean out her bedding. Cause again, she would just keep attacking our boots. Um, and there was just like a lot of little things. Tasmanian devils were hilarious to watch eat. Cause they're like so loud and just roaring at each other constantly. Um, we had to, uh, the, I got to pet the giraffe and hand feed him on a giant ladder while the keeper like put this stuff on his hooves to keep it from cracking mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and then the, uh, the aquarium had the reptiles, but like they had I, like, I, <laughs> I don't want to pick on them, but they had like the basic reptiles. They had mm -hmm. a green iguana, a boa constrictor, uh, smaller American alligators, and then a rhino iguana on display. Um, they also had this massive reticulated python, but we weren't allowed to go in there as volunteers. <laughs> um, so that was the reptiles that were on display. But in the back room, I guess the, the guy that ran the reptile, because it was a private zoo, mm -hmm. the guy that ran the reptile area, he basically kept his private collection at this zoo. Um, so in the back room, they had things like Fiji iguanas. I don't know if you've ever seen them mm -hmm. before. They're a highly endangered, very rare iguana. And I got to hand feed these mm -hmm. guys like any day I was in the aquarium section. I got to just pick up shingleback skinks and pet them and stuff oh, for cool. fun. Um, they had like all these crazy rare reptiles off behind like the border. Um, and it's crazy to think like they had a corn snake, which is like oh yeah corn snakes over here in america but mm -hmm. they're like corn snakes are super black market and it was like the corn snake was actually seized from someone that illegally had it because australia <laughs> has such strict export and import laws yeah, so yeah. they're like do you want to hold the corn snake to show the kids and i'm like can i can i do the the can i do the shingle back instead and they're like why because <laughs> <laughs> there they get shingle backs in their gardens they don't care about shingle backs <laughs> yeah no i i remember i saw some in for sale in uh Canada the other day I don't know how they got it but I was like spamming the other Adam with it because he's from <laughs> Canada and I was like get these get these <laughs> he's gotta he's gotta be making close to that kind of uh, YouTuber money now yeah, right? exactly <laughs> I was like this is my only chance to play with them uh, you need to buy them for me so I can visit <laughs> one time and see them you know? they so. feel they feel so weird shingleback skinks <laughs> just they don't feel like a living thing <laughs> and I actually like it's weird to also say that, like, when I saw them, that's how I felt, thought they would feel. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how else to say that, but yeah, I kind of get they, that vibe. Yeah, they just, they feel and they look like just a hard plastic toy. Um, and this, <laughs> so the reptile zoo that I volunteered at on my days off, they would, it was like a thing where people could go and walk through and stuff, but they had a couple open air enclosures. And one of them was, mm. they had this, it was massive. It was like 15 feet by 10 foot blue tongue skink enclosure and the walls were only a foot high and people could just reach in and pet the blue tongues um and they had all these different kinds they had the blotch blue tongues the northern the eastern then they had shinglebacks so mm. people could just come in and i think it was like ten dollars to get into the reptiles people could just come in and just pet blue tongue skinks and shinglebacks like crazy and i told the the workers there i'm like yeah that is like a ten thousand dollar lizard in america so you guys are just like petting like something that's crazy expensive over by us um suddenly one of them goes missing <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna bring this back across the stairs <laughs> yeah that's that's cool though i mean you talked about i believe uh interacting with parentes too and i mean uh, I, yeah I, not parentes unfortunately oh i thought you said them all right no no lace monitors lace um, okay maybe the, i the, the owner of the rep, yeah the owner of the reptile zoo he had 
Parentes and a saltwater crocodile, but mm-hmm. he kept all of them at his house because uh. they didn't have the space to have them at the zoo yet. They literally put them in like six months after I left. I was so ticked <laughs> off. Um, but yeah, so I didn't get to pet the Parentes. I did see Parentes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, they had like a six foot saltwater crocodile that now the thing is like 12 foot. But oh, man. yeah, so they had some <laughs> stuff. But no, when I was there, I mostly worked with, they had sand goannas, they had uh, lace monitors the Australian frill dragons. They had some adult Boyd's forest dragons. Mm. Um, couldn't really do much with them because they were very, very flighty. Yeah. Um, yep. They had Merton's water monitors. And cool. then on my last day, I got to take out, they had like a 15 foot scrub python. So I got to take that out and hold that. And then they had like, you know, all the world's deadliest snakes. Like they had inland type and the tiger snakes and Eastern Browns and stuff too. How many, do you know how many species they had all together? Um, Roughly. At least 50. They had like every species of carpet python. They had like a bunch of the venomous snakes. They had like, uh, yeah, they had at least 50 species of reptiles. I probably, that's actually probably underselling it. They probably had even mm-hmm. more than that because um, they had a bunch of turtles. They had saltwater, f- freshwater crocs. Um, and then they had two illegally seized boa constrictors. Um, Man, they get a lot of illegally seized over there. Oh, yeah. After I left, they got a Burmese python. They got an illegally seized scarlet macaw. So they got (laughs) there's a lot of like weird things getting seized by police over there. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Um, When you were there, did you do any like did you try to do any herping stuff? Like, were you able to like kind of do any exploring that way? Um, so where I lived in Canberra, it's Southern Australia. Mm-hmm. And so I was there in the summer, but that was their winter. So all the reptiles were hibernating, but that's kind okay. of, pro- that's probably a good thing. Cause in Canberra where I was, the only two native snakes are Eastern Browns and red belly black snakes, which are both deadly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did get to go out. Uh, and then when we were there, I did go to, um, our orientation was like up in the tropics. So mm-hmm. we did get to like go and do, see some stuff in the wild and everything. And the, uh, where we were, we were right on a giant like river um mm-hmm. but you couldn't you couldn't swim in the water because the saltwater crocodiles were so big um so they actually made a man-made beach like half a mile into the town with sand and everything so people could have the beach experience but like not risk their lives with crocodiles. <laughs> like if you i would go jogging every morning along the beach and it was completely empty nothing was set up along the beach because saltwater crocodiles were rampant in the area and they mm-hmm. called them we never saw them but they called them the beach master and apparently it was this giant 18 foot male saltwater crocodile that because uh, when we were there on our third day of orientation we went out and um scuba dived on the uh, great barrier reef oh, so the cool. guy the guy that was running the ship said, yeah, the beast master, the beach master is so live somewhere over there in that den. But yeah, so I did get to see some cool stuff. The, uh, when we were up in the tropics, the one, like every night it would sound like thunder over us as like probably millions of flying fruit bats would fly from our wow. side to the other side of the river. Cause that's where they ate over there. Mm-hmm. And like all the trees in the cities had uh, like rainbow lorikeets and little cockatoos and stuff um, on them. Um, chirping away and stuff so it was definitely mm-hmm. a very different experience than here and then when I went down south unfortunately like it was winter but I did get to we did go to like some nature preserves and stuff I saw um, like uh, emus and kangaroos and stuff in the wild I laid down right in the middle of a bunch of kangaroos and they didn't even mind because they were probably like, <laughs> so used to people yeah it's um, like I, I would I was about to almost say it's like squirrels here but squirrels don't trust us at all here so <laughs> yeah <laughs> no they're obsessed with squirrels for some Australia is <laughs> obsessed with yeah all Do the Australians I work with, no they don't no. like the all the people I worked with they're like oh you see squirrels they're so cute and I'm like no squirrels are mean <laughs> I would much rather trade that for having a bunch of kangaroos 
kangaroos around me. <laughs> I don't know. Some kangaroos look so jacked that it's just like, oh like... yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to mess with the big reds. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah it's got... definitely different. That's yeah. kind of so funny. I don't know to me how it's like so just different. You know, in terms yeah. of the native wildlife and how it's like. Why would you want a squirrel here? Like, yeah, like they don't. They don't have deer, so they're obsessed with like a, like a lot of people I talk to. They're like deer are so cute and i'm like again i would trade kangaroos for deer but um and they, they have invasive like red foxes and rabbits and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah most of the wildlife i saw were wild rabbits um wild cockatoos uh kangaroos and then i saw a couple of wild kookaburras and mm-hmm. um, some other things but yeah it was uh it was a very different experience biking to work every day <laughs> oh yeah how far away was it of a bike ride uh six miles each way oh. so I was in the best shape of my life after that. After I that have to imagine. Oh my god! Because <laughs> not only did I get there, but then I, you're walking around all day because you're a zookeeper. Yeah, so, true. Wow. Yeah, I did. I did a 12 mile bike ride round trip every day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could ever commit to having a job where I have to bike six miles every yeah. day. It was yeah, it was something. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, that's awesome though. That's all those. I mean, do you do you have plans? I, I feel like. I already know this answer, but to go back eventually and yeah, from Australia at some point. Yeah. At some point I'd like to go back and actually do touristy things. Like yeah. I did, um, I did spend like a weekend in Sydney. I spent a weekend on like the beach with like the family that I was staying at and I got to do mm-hmm. some cool things down there. Um, and then I did like, I spent, I spent that week up in the tropics doing like, that's when I did like the most touristy stuff, like mm-hmm. great barrier reef. We did a, we did a rainforest tour in like an old like 1940s like military like all-terrain truck thing oh interesting Um, and then uh, we did like a little they had like a little touristy zoo up there that you could go to and like pet the kangaroos and stuff like that so i did like some touristy stuff but yeah i'd love to go back and actually like go into the wilderness and see some cool things um and like do like some of the stuff that i actually because like with working with interning i think it was like four or five days a week stuff i just didn't have a whole lot of time to do that and i yeah. also didn't have like a whole lot of money because also flying to australia is like twenty five hundred dollars so yeah i have to imagine i have to imagine that was not a fun flight either being on a plane that long i actually didn't mind it uh, really? that was actually my first time really flying uh we went to like disney world when i was in like fifth grade as a kid but that, this was my first time flying since then yeah i actually found it pretty relaxing i just cozed up watched some movies and stuff on the trip the um, longest one flight i ever took without like a stop was um i think it was from philly to las vegas and unfortunately we chose spirit and <laughs> we were so cramped and there was a baby crying the whole time and my girlfriend kept saying who brings a baby to las vegas and that that was that was the worst flight of my life <laughs> so uh yeah. every time i think of traveling long distances in one flight that's how like that's what i feel internally so i just imagine everybody else suffering yeah the trip the trip from because we went i went out of newark to uh newark to la that was about six and a half hours i think or something like that uh-huh. that was definitely a smaller more cramped plane than the 13 and a half hour one from la to uh, sydney yeah. Um, well, I have to imagine that if you're going a long flight, you're probably not flying Spirit. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> you're not flying Spirit from LA to Australia. So, yeah. <laughs> um, that makes a little bit more sense. But uh, that's awesome. I, I just a couple more questions I just have about, I guess, right now with with your business. Is it yeah. getting? I know, like, COVID changed so much stuff. Is it you getting through that? Is it you know you making do? You get in a lot of online stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, COVID is a hard thing. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. very fortunate. Um, I'm not as an extreme position as most of the people I know because, like, mm-hmm. reptiles, they're not exactly expensive compared to, like, people I know with, like, fennec foxes and wallabies and, like, expensive yeah. mammals that eat a lot. Um, and, I, yeah, I mean, I've made okay with online programs and stuff, and I, like, do the odd, like, in-person small birthday party and stuff, mm-hmm. and um, it's starting to pick up a little bit again now that like the okay, vaccine is kind of coming out and stuff. But yeah, it's definitely been a year that like, cause I literally quit my day job. What was it? June, 2019. So I didn't even make it a full year just doing this until COVID hit. <laughs> yeah. That's um, rough. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm all right. Like I, I'm pretty fortunate and I know, I actually know a few educators that permanently shut up shop and like yeah, I have to imagine. and stuff. So it's uh yeah, it's a very scary time for that kind of thing. But I think the, the light is at the end of the tunnel. It's still very far away, but it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think if you definitely made it this far, you're uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to jinx it or nothing, but I can't yeah. imagine <laughs> us, uh, you know, I feel like it's going to just get better, but that that's great to hear that you know you're still getting through it i I know it's just like especially with like i mean i'm sure a lot of your businesses school stuff i see you doing um whenever you kind of post about doing stuff or i see someone tagging your business uh, a lot of the time i see some you know schools doing it and they completely 180 with online learning which i guess you know i guess probably fits in well with you doing online stuff because they could just bring in a zoom call or something yeah but um I feel like educators are still figuring out what to do, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I'm pretty fortunate that like what I do, it trans, it transfers to online fairly easily. I mean, they don't get like the in-person like interaction of it, but they still mm-hmm. get to see the animals. So relatively it transfers pretty well to online. It's not like I'm like an actor on Broadway or something where I'm yeah. just, like, completely shut down, but yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, any, I guess, any plans for the future of the business? Any long-term goals you have set? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, COVID kind of held it up, but I'm yeah. planning to get, I want to do at some point, get like an actual animal facility, not just like a reptile building, but like, I want to get a facility, have like a reptile section, a bird section, a mammal section. Cause I do plan to get like, I know a lot of you guys like do like dream reptile lists and stuff, but like I have like dream animal lists. Cause like, I want to do, I want to get all these cool animals to do education programs with. Cause like, I mean, mm. while like croc monitors are really cool, could never feasibly bring one to a child program. Um, <laughs> I mean, you so can, like, but it might be yeah. <laughs> It would not go over well. But yeah, so there's, I have most of all the reptiles I want. Like I got my diamond python, my uh-huh. snake, um, like white lip python, my rock iguana. Like I have reptiles that I've always wanted mm-hmm. um, and do well for education, but I'd love to get like a wallaby, an African porcupine, like uh, kinkajou, kawadi, these things. So I do eventually, I'm hoping, and again, it got postponed because of COVID, but eventually I want to get like an actual animal facility um, where instead of like having like a reptile room in my house or something like that, like I can have all the animals in this facility, have different sections and stuff. So the reptiles are separate from the birds and things like that. Um, so that's definitely like five year long-term plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was go, it was, it was on track before COVID. So hopefully <laughs> Once this kind of remedies itself, I'll get back onto that track. But yeah, so that's yeah. kind of the long-term goal for me, at least right now. And then obviously just kind of like the YouTube channel and things like that. Yeah. Doing what programs I can. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine what the licensing scene would be like for some stuff. Maybe I'd, I'd overthinking it, but I'd, I don't know. I mean, is that difficult to get some of those? 
No, uh, uh, not really. Most really? of them, I, I, yeah, uh, you'd be surprised. I guess if, you know, the Tiger King exists, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if I wanted that kind of animal. But no, for uh, most of the mammals I want, you just need a USDA Class C exhibitor license. And I've already had that for three years. Oh, and okay. I needed, it for, I needed it for my hedgehogs and chinchillas. So I'm uh, I'm good for everything up through kangaroos, basically. As uh-huh. long as it can't kill me and it's not huge, I basically can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes those hedgehogs, they look at you a weird way. You oh, know? yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, they, they definitely hurt. They definitely hurt more than most of the reptiles. <laughs> All right, awesome. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of feel you on the, I mean, I've always been a person too who like, I, f- I feel like it would be very easy with, you know, your business and keeping the animals, uh, you know, at home. It's, it's hard to separate like relax time from work time. And I've always kind of been someone who, you know, like people are, all kind of kind of the one upside I feel like a lot of people are feeling from COVID is they're being like, hey, I couldn't do my job from home. And I'm <laughs> terrible at working from home. It's oh. so easy just to hop on a video game and not yeah. pay attention. And I feel that <laughs> I need like a separate place of work where I just can't be tempted. So I don't know if you're like that. If you had a facility that would kind of give you that little bit of separation. Yeah, I mean, for the long, literally until a couple months ago, I've always had animals in my room. When I came back, my tegu was in my bedroom. I had my closet wasn't full of clothes. I had snake racks and stuff in my room. <laughs> um, I had like 30 reptiles crammed in my bedroom at some point. And then mm-hmm. once I built the reptile room, I moved those all out. And then the mammals came in. So my room was full of bunnies, <laughs> hedgehogs, and chinchillas. So this is the first time since I graduated college where my room is my own now, but yeah, I'll be working when you have your, all of your animals and stuff at home. And it's kind of like your job and you have as many animals as I do. Like I'll be up until I'll just like some nights I'll be like, okay, it's 7 PM. I'm good. Whereas other nights I'll be like doing water bowl changes and stuff at like 10 PM while I'm like watching a Twitch stream or something at night. There's Um, so many times where like, you know, I'm doing exactly what you're talking about. Water bowl changes. And it's like 10 PM. And then I forget, I have my timer shut off at 10 PM. Like, yeah darn it i need to turn this back on and then i have this one in an obscure corner where it doesn't pick it up sometimes so i have to squeeze my body in there to try to turn it back on and it's just like this whole thing and i'm like i'm like this just never ends yeah oh god so many times where i'll be doing water bowl changes i'm like all right now i'm gonna feed the monitor lizards and the lights go off and i'm like all right well i'll just leave the food in there they'll get it (laughs) yeah it's it's quite a life (laughs) All right. Awesome, though. That a lot of cool stories. And I mean, that Australia trip really sounds like quite an interesting thing and quite an experience. Uh, I've, yeah. I've been really wanting to once, obviously, I have more money and things a little bit better traveling wise. So like, I want to kind of do a little thing myself where I get to kind of go out and, you know, I don't know if it'd be like Australia or going to something like a Costa Rica or something, but kind of just experiencing um nature and seeing some probably reptiles but just animals (laughs) in general i don't really you know get to see i mean i don't know northeast is not really that you don't get to see a diverse amount of reptiles running around you know what i mean (laughs) what john are you saying you can't make a lot of content looking up garter snakes in the wild (laughs) uh probably not i mean Granted, if I don't know if you ever watched the Jersey Herpers video, but he videos, but he does a lot of herping in Jersey and he makes plenty of content out there doing that stuff. But it's definitely not as diverse as something like Australia or something I would love to go to go see. And um, 
I don't know, experience. So <laughs> yeah, you'll probably get a lot more clicks picking up a wild shingleback than you will picking up like an Eastern neuter or whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. Heck, I, I don't, don't even need to record it. I, I just <laughs> need a picture with it to say it happened. <laughs> and then I'll Very be like, true. I'll probably be in, the, there's this new Facebook group. I probably, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, but I got invited to, and instead of, you know, how Facebook doesn't let you do animal sales or anything. They yeah. call it evictions. So when something <laughs> they say this guy's up for eviction. That's clever. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I could just take a picture with a uh, shingle back over there and be like, PM up for, evi- for <laughs> <laughs> cover smuggling fees. Yeah. yeah seriously. <laughs> Potential 50 years in prison or whatever the punishment is. Must be able to buy me a good lawyer. Yeah. Geez. <laughs> All right. I appreciate your time, man. And coming on and talking. Uh, good yeah. conversation. Yeah, no worries. Yep. So um, let's wrap it up. Uh, again, thanks, Adam, for coming on. You can see more, I guess. What Are you Uncharted Wild on all your socials? Yeah. So okay. Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, Uncharted Wild. Okay. Yeah, I, I always got to ask that because I don't – all mine are different. <laughs> and oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I screwed That's up. Fair. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people made that same stupid mistake that I made, but um, – <laughs> just want to clarify so awesome yeah check them out on there facebook instagram and youtube you said um and how many times how many times are you uploading uh so i upload on youtube every thursday every thursday so once a week okay mm-hmm. yeah i just usually just see a video and click so i don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't usually track but yeah some good content a lot of cool animals uh good presentation style actually i think i said this to you when you were in my live stream one time but the how i did the reptile room tour i was like you know i always like how adam takes his animals out and does it in this cool presentation on a table <laughs> and i was like i'm gonna do that you know, yeah. this is the closest I'm going to get to be able to be a reptile educator where I talk to an audience. <laughs> so, I, you know, I might as well take my one shot at it. So, yeah, I saw your live stream and then I somehow got I clicked on a video of Wiccans and I saw him doing the white table thing. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Is everyone stealing my thing? No, I'm just <laughs> no, I definitely could not. I don't have that. I don't have that presence ability you have, but <laughs> I did want to just put myself. I, I was just like before I even recorded, I was like, I am Adam. I'm I'm one with Adam. I am <laughs> presenting to an audience. I have 500 people watch me. And I just start waving like the Queen of England, you know, the quick there you go. little, yeah. yeah, there you go. So Yeah, you got to wave your hands around a lot. You got to like yeah. move your head a lot. Um, yeah, it's definitely, how I do it is definitely easier than how you do it with moving around cage to cage. That, that sounds exciting. Honestly, it, I kind of felt like I was like, I don't know. I, 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 I got that a little bit. I was like, you know, I do a lot of moving around and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm going to bring it to me because I'm tired yeah. of like moving around everywhere and make it yeah. 10 times more complicated. Then I have my I girlfriend it. film and she's like, no, I don't want to do it today. <laughs> See, that's the hard thing. I don't have anyone to film. Like I did a reptile. <laughs> I did a reptile room mini tour, like back over the summer or something. And like mm-hmm. that took me so long to film. And that was only like 20 of my like 70 animals. I'm like, people keep asking me for a reptile room tour. And I'm like, guys, I don't know if that's ever happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you have a tire day? Like, what are you doing Sunday? <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, uh, I, li- I like the I like sitting and taking the animals out. I don't like moving around, showing all the like it's so much easier. Mm, no, it is. I agree. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on again. And uh, for you listening, definitely check Adam out on Wild. And thanks for listening to the podcast. And we'll see you next week. 
Like and subscribe. <laughs> this, that's not this type of thing. I don't oh, even okay. know what it's All called. Right. <laughs> I, I don't even know if you could follow. I don't. I don't even know what it is. So I know nothing about podcasts. So. <laughs> I, I usually just say whatever you need to do to see when a new thing is posted. You click that. That's what you do. <laughs> That's usually how I go about it. So yeah, I got do, that. do that. There you go. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.